Let Eurovision Queens begin! Welcome to Eurovision Queens, a podcast celebrating the joyful wonder that is the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Andy, and I'm ready to play with fire. And I'm Ryan, a Eurovision newbie who's here to learn more about the contest history beyond Euphoria every way that I can. Every way that I can, eh? Mmm. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, welcome to episode 14. Now, last time, episode 13, it was like, one of those numbers I'm not comfortable with. But give me episode 8 or episode 14. I'm your man. I'm happy mm, with that. It divides nicely. It does. It does. We've got so much lined up for you today. Very excited. Really good selection of eclectic songs from Eurovision recent and past. Lots and lots to share. But before we do, I just want to cast our mind back and your minds, dear listeners, mm. to the last episode. Yeah. When we played Casio Paya. Oh, yes. And we've been obsessed with that song for a whole two weeks now. (laughs) So much. Again. I Can't Get Enough, which was in Melfest 2022. We have just found out some exciting news. What is that news? Well, we said, I'm sure she'll be there somehow next year. Yeah. And we've only gone and found out that she is in the best way possible. Yeah, she's not performing. She's not performing, but she's got her fingers in all the pies. She has. She's only a featured writer on Lorene's Tattoo. Ah, so this will be the last Oof. song that's performed at Melfest this year, the last um, heat. The very last song, Lorene will perform Tattoo, which has been co-written by Cassiopeia. Yeah, among yeah. others. But that's the one I'm excited about. Exactly. I feel like that's going to be a good song. We know she can write a banging track. Mm. And I think just because the last time Lorene did Melfest and didn't get through, she would have only agreed to do it if she was certain that the song was good. And had the right people. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I think this is going to be a good chance for Lorene to come back fully into the final. Yep. And we felt it on our waters that she would be involved somehow. And she is. So I was proven right. You yes. were. <laughs> we love it when we get feedback on our episodes, when people get in touch on Twitter or whatever. We just want to say a shout out to Matt Scar 5 who has found us and is now liking and commenting like a gooden on Instagram. <laughs> it's nice watching his little journey through the episodes, isn't <laughs> it? It is. <laughs> And to find out that he likes the same stuff that we do. And just thanks for taking the time to make comments and to show your appreciation for what we're doing. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah. Mm. So what are we here to do? We are here to listen to seven Eurovision songs, Ryan, based on seven different categories. I wonder if you could (laughs) tell me what the first three are. So I think the first three are time-locked to different periods in Eurovision history. Time-locked, you say? I say I say they're time-locked, <laughs> but I feel like we may have found the keys to that lock. Yeah, I know. They may be changing <laughs> soon, mainly because we want to play a lot more newer tracks and less of the old. <laughs> more on that in future episodes. But for now, <laughs> for the now. time-locked categories without that key are uh, 2010s to the present day, 90s and noughties, and 80s and earlier. Wow. Wow. Mm. I'm excited. Then we move on to three further categories. A UK entry, a song that failed to make it past the semi-finals, and boy, I've got a long spreadsheet <laughs> that I've created for that. And the Juice Award for an act that never got past the national selection for that country, but should have done. And then we've got our good, good friend, the Randomizer. Not a friend. 
not a friend. Uh, we've dubbed it the chaos monkey of just all chaos. Who will throw something up that just probably sucks and is really old. I think throw something up is the right phrase. It is a bit like a Eurovision vomit pile. And, it can and be the, anything. And the chances are it was one that did very poorly as well. Mm. We've not had a good run recently. Not recently. No. I mean, we had the Roop a while back, but we haven't had much for a while that's good. Mm. So let's see if it proves us wrong today. Yeah. So if you're on board with all of that and it sounds like your kind of pod, then it's time for that familiar anthem. So let's head to 2010s to present day. And we're going as far back as we can in that category because we're going back to 2010, are we not? Oh, wow. Yeah. Extra points. I think so. (laughs) This is Playing With Fire by Paula Selling and Ovi, who represented Romania in 2010.
So that was Playing With Fire, performed by Paula Selling and Ovi. Thoughts? That was a good one. I don't know that one very well. Do you not? No, because obviously it's 2010, so yeah. pre-Euphoria. Okay, yes. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of pre-Ryan in that sense. So it's a little bit, but it feels more like... Because I remember the competition being a bit weird in like... When do you say that's like 27? Two, two, to... No, 2008, 2012, I think it's kind of up to Euphoria. Yeah. It's kind of a bit of a fallow period. And I don't know the songs quite so well. But I feel like that one sits much more comfortably in more, sort of contemporary yes, Eurovision. Recent, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I think it's damn good. <laughs> I think it's a very strong it, song. I love I love a duet at Eurovision when it's done well. Because mm, it starts a bit weird, doesn't Like I felt like, like their voices didn't sit too well to begin with. But okay. when they blended them together more, like from the chorus onwards, I was like, right, I'm in, I'm into this. Something that I read about this song on Wikipedia was just very silly and annoyed me. Oh, okay. So, shall I tell you? Yes. So, on the page on Wikipedia, it says, um, A reviewer speculated that the song revolved around arson, a crime of intentionality, deliberately and maliciously setting fire to buildings or other properties with the intent to cause damage. This is a Guardian review at the time. Now, honestly... Either someone's an idiot or they're taking themselves too seriously or it was a joke. But obviously, this is just a song about a relationship where when they get together, sparks fly. And it's just, you know, it's a bit like heart to heart. When they get together, it was moider. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's that sort of feel of like, you know, yeah, it would be a disastrous but very boisterous and fiery relationship. Mm, completely. But just bizarre sometimes things you read. Idiots. This remains... Romania's best result in Eurovision ever. Oh, well, I don't know how it did. So, oh, well, time to ask you then. <laughs> how do you think this song did? Mm. I want it to be top five. Mm. So I'm going to say four, a nice round four. It was third. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, uh-huh. which I think was very much deserved on 162 points. The closest that any other Romanian entry has come to that was Let Me Try by Illuminator Angle and System. I don't know what position that came, but I think it was maybe fourth or fifth. I'm surprised that this came third because I feel like it's not in people's like top songs as much as it should be. I know. I mean, we looked at the ESC 250. It's there at 218. Okay. Which seems quite low. I think it could rise again. It's the sort of song that's going to be around forever, I think. People are going to go back to it and like it. Yes, definitely. And let's say a bit about the staging. Oh, right. So, yeah, we've got our dueling pianos. Well, one big piano with the keys at either side. Mm. So they're facing one another and singing at each other. Mm. But the piano is perspex, see-through, clear. 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 Yeah. So it's not like a massive heavy prop on the stage, which I think is quite nice. Mm. So you get to see them sort of being all sexy and cool around the piano, you know, like that. Well, you get to see one of them being sexy and cool. I'm not commenting either way. <laughs> Oh, I am. <laughs> he's a lovely guy, but he's not a sex pot, is he, Ovi? He'll be someone's taste. Yeah, actually, so stop being so judgmental. <laughs> but Paula is, is gorgeous. She's wearing a leather catsuit, isn't she? Catwoman-esque. Mm. Um, With a few, like, chains or yeah, tassely bits yeah. on it and stuff. I mean, he, yeah. his gear's okay. He's just, he's just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> not that everyone has to be for me. Oh, you make me feel bad now. No, he's definitely punched up, hasn't he? To... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he could never. <laughs> wow. Well, he clearly is. No, no, no. They're Musically just... wise. Musically wise, yes. <laughs> I need to tell you a lot more about Ovidio Canatano. Okay. Sped said wrongly because it's very hard. But let me tell you about Ovi. Go for it. So, born 74, 
So that makes him 48. Quick maths. Quick maths. Wow. He is a Romanian slash Norwegian singer and songwriter. And he actually moved to Norway in 95. So that's where he lives. But he has, he is obsessed with Eurovision, or at least he was. He has tried to enter it so many different times. He's one of those. Ah. He first took part for Norway in 2006 when he was in the Melody Grand Prix with The Better Side of Me, but he didn't qualify for the final. Three years later, 2009, again, Melody Grand Prix in Norway with the song Seven Seconds. But you know who he lost to? Who? Alexander Ryback. Oh, who went on to win the whole thing. But he's like, I will not be stopped. I will be at Eurovision the very next year. And so he was. This time for Romania. So he had to go through Selectia Nationale in 2010, which is the Romanian national selection, or at least was then. And, of course, they won with Playing With Fire. Cool. It's nice when someone's got a passion for it like that, then, isn't it? it. Yeah. 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 And he's got a good record in that sense. 2012, back for Melody Grand Prix um, as a songwriter. And the song qualified for the final, Tommy Bear singing High on Love. And, of course, he returned to the contest for Romania in 2014 with Paula again with the song Miracle. Yes, and I don't remember that one. I remember bits about it. (laughs) It's a miracle. Yeah. No. Can we play some in so it's better than me singing? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's still on no. I can tell from his tone. Rude. Anyway, back to Ovi. Also in 2014, he was also attempting to represent in the contest via the Belgium national selection as a songwriter with the song... She's after my piano. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly that. And we will be featuring that in a future Juice Award. Yes. So we'll come back to that when it's it's lovely. So we'll save it. If if you need to go and find it, go and find it. But it was very good. Didn't qualify but it was very, very good. So, that's all you need to know about Ovi. Possibly a little too much. He has contributed strongly to Eurovision. Not many people have represented twice, have they? No. So that's good. And done well each time. And brought a different piano set up each time. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness knows what the third one will be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Time to move on, I think, for our 90s and noughties track. So, obviously, it's a noughties track because I've chosen it. (laughs) What is the song? Every Way That I Can by Sir Tab Erina, who represented Turkey in 2003. I feel you moving on a different coast, 
So that was Every Way That I Can by SirTab. So I remember watching this on a Eurovision again and with you and you were like, oh God, here we go. Be ready for this. And I was like, I don't get it. And I can see now why. Like, I I feel like it takes a little bit to get going. Like, I feel like the vocals are a little bit... Shouty? Yeah. At the, only before the first chorus, it's like the levels aren't quite right, mm. or she maybe she's just a little bit nervous, yeah. or maybe she was just getting into it, or loosening up, or something like that. But then by that first chorus, I, I was like, oh, okay, I can see this a bit more now. Yeah. But then I I also think, isn't there something about the scoring at the uh, end? Yeah, it's not just about the performance. I yeah. Mean, she sang fourth, which is a disadvantage to begin with. But mm. as you know, this is one of the strongest years in the world ever the, of Eurovision. For listeners, this is the year that you had the CD in the car. <laughs> yes, they know. Yes. <laughs> but um, this is the year when Tattoo was the absolute favourite. Right. And it's all anyone was talking about. No one at all was talking about this song. There's some other songs that are in the mix that we're talking about, but not this mm. song. And in the end, it was such a nail-biter. It only won by two points. Mm. I remember the top end of the table being really competitive yeah yeah because it was this it was Sanami from Belgium it was Tattoo um, a few others really high up there the one of the Swedish songs um, yes and it just squeaked it and it was such a joyful performance and the reveal that she won it's so lovely seeing her face when the, Turkey actually wins it's fantastic because mm. they're not a regular winner um, I'm trying to think have Turkey won before is this their only win so I've just checked and Turkey only won in 2003 that's it so it's their best result ever and now they're not in anymore, are they? Yep. They've gone. It's like, we're never going to top that. We're going to clear off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's more politically um, it's complex than that. <laughs> right. So um, there's a dissatisfaction with the, with the rules of the competition. So there you go. Anyway, more about Sirtab. There was some controversy around her performing in English, both for the national selection and in the final. There was... Um, various Turkish national associations who attacked her for this, not 
physically but verbally <laughs> and said you know you've got to sing in turkish and she was like no i you know this has got to appeal to more people we can't sing in turkish you know she would only compete if she was singing in english that was her term so it wasn't it qualified in turkish and no, then, right. no she refused to do it unless it was sung in english yeah in terms of stage performance, famously, mm. it's the belly dancing, but more famously than that, it's the moment when they win. It's when she goes, ha! And she does the arm movements. That's, mm. you know, certain movements where yeah. suddenly you think, that's the moment when she won it. And I do believe that was it. I feel there's a, there should be a special shout out for the human maypole element of it Absolutely. as well. <laughs> what the fuck's a maypole? Because <laughs> she's got four big, long silk offshoots coming yeah, material, from her hips that, yeah. Yeah, that are used throughout the performance. And then they all get bound up between her and the four backing dancers slash yeah. vocal. Yeah. And then um, she sheds them at the end and it's really cool. It is. One thing that's missed because of the choice of camera angles is one of the dancers actually does a forward flip over one of the material bands. Oh. You just see the end of it. Right. Okay. It sort of flips away at the wrong moment. So they, they're also doing gymnastics over them as well. I feel like it's a lot of staging for not very much. Like they've really got a lot in there and there's there's lots of clear different periods of it. You know, right, like yeah. they do this bit there and then they do this bit and then they do that. And it's I like... I love the bit where they crawl forward when she's got the Yeah, we're on... Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. It's very powerful. Mm. Very... Um, pro-women in that sense but the song isn't because it's a song about desperation mm. really i want you to love me you know every way that i can i'm going to get you to fall in love with me again which is it's a really not a pro-feminist message at all it's quite a bad message saying whatever I, I want this man whatever but maybe it could be a woman i don't know such a determined performance it was obvious that she really wanted to go for it and try and win it it wasn't a favorite on the night it is a favorite now do you know what position it came in the esc 250 this year uh, top fifty. Yeah, it was forty-two. Cool. Which I think I think from a for a song from that long ago now, that's really saying I'm going to keep this place. Yeah, because all like those baby Eurovision fans might yeah, not exactly. necessarily have gone all the way back. And yeah, that far. People like no. me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really pleased that it's still finding its audience. People still love it. They remember it. So much to enjoy with this performance, and it will take me back to that night. And the excitement. And when we were watching again, remember how I was still nervous as to whether she won? <laughs> yeah, you were like, I don't know if I remembered this right. <laughs> I know I did, but it was so close. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what they've tried to bottle with the voting since. And the way they've changed it so you don't know until the last votes come through who's won. That night, that was just happened magically. That it just you didn't know until the last vote. But often you definitely Yeah, but my know. issue with that is you've only you you spend like an hour getting fifty percent of the votes mm. and then they throw on another fifty percent and it just messes up the whole rest of the table. Yeah, I kinda like that though. You don't know where you're at. I yeah, I do. I like it, but there's such a there's normally such a divide between the mm. the jury vote and the general public vote. I would say there's a disconnect. There is a disconnect, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's only going to make a difference in the semi-finals this time because there's going to be no jury voting in the semi-finals mm. but in the final there will be jury voting mm. votings <laughs> jury votings that's a topic that we could that someone could record a whole podcast about in itself isn't it so Absolutely. let's not get into that here and now oh gosh okay. <laughs> that's me told i'm shutting you down now wow <laughs> rude just to add before we leave Sertab behind that she's had 12 studio albums including No Boundaries in 2004, which contains Every Way That I Can. Hugely successful singer in Turkey. But also it's worth mentioning that Every Way That I Can went to number one in several Eurovision countries, including Sweden. 
I would have assumed Sweden would have been the one. Yes. <laughs> it also reached number one in Turkey, as you'd hope, and Greece, and various countries in other countries in Eastern Europe. Um, and it broke the top ten in Belgium, the Netherlands, Spain, and Austria. What I remember as well is I was doing a load of DVD production at the time in London, and I remember a big poster of Sir Tab because she was going to be in in London at a club. I was like, oh, I'd love to go and see that. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy right now. No. Yes. Thank you for all your joy and pink belly dancer wonderfulness setup. Next up, we're heading to the 50s and 80s. Well, I hope we're not heading to the 50s. We're definitely heading to the very end of the 80s. But honestly, <laughs> this song could be from the 50s or 60s. This is kind of old school variety show cabaret. Mm. But it's fun. This is Vimala Bien Rod by Berta Kaya. For Denmark in 
So that was Bertha Kaya with Vimalen Bienrod. What did you think? Yes, it was definitely a song that was definitely performed at Eurovision. Wow. <laughs> so rude. 1989, well, actually, a lot of the 80s, late 80s, not strong years for Eurovision, I would say. This year, particularly, even the winner was pretty crappy. 18. <laughs> <laughs> so what position do you think this came? Sixth. Sixth. It was third. Wow. Okay. Out of 22. Simpler so times. Simpler times. <laughs> um, you could say it wasn't a strong year as well. This was not Bertikaya's first brush with Eurovision. She finished second at the Dansk Melody Grand Prix in 80, 86 and 87. Of course, she won it in 89 and then went on to, to become third at the contest. Um, and then later on, she finished third in the Melody Grand Prix for Denmark again in 91. Mm. So enjoying participating, I think, um, did very well. The song, me- do you know what the song means? No. <laughs> It means we paint the town red. Ah, that would explain the frock. Exactly. I'm going to give you some more lyrics. I know you like a lyric spot. Yeah, go for it. Dramatic reading time. You're having a long face. Do you think everything is grey with grey on it? Well, I know how it is that it's given you know that. But forget that for a moment. (laughs) Let it disappear in the blue. Catch your own palette, because now we'll put on the colours. I have a feeling this translation might not be directly accurate. Mm. We'll paint the city red, or the town if you prefer, and the sky white with starshine. What's grey and sad will get some extra paint. Then we'll give the night clothes a brush stroke, preferably more. <laughs> and not until the sun says good morning and gets a grip. We'll say good night. No, they definitely have not translated this correctly. Then we'll give the night clothes a brush stroke. They'll say we'll brush off our clothes, our evening wear sort of thing. That's what it Mm. means, doesn't it? So anyway, it's a bit of a literal translation here. Bless them. Yeah. But you get the idea. They're going to paint the town red. Mm -hmm. And I think she's got that vibe. Uh, Definitely, yeah. Like, I'm confident that she knows how to perform, you know. So she's a good singer. There's just a lot of sidestepping. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is kind of old school Eurovision. All Eurovision used to be like this, I would say, in the 60s, 70s. Not all of it, a lot of it. The fact that there was a bit of sidestepping and and, um, her synchronised ice cream men backing dancer backing singers mm. they were probably bringing a bit more to the competition than most other people were at this point yeah I mean I'm going to show you what won that year just so you get a flavour of how it was a bad year So I've just forced Ryan to watch the winner from 1989. I just wanted to check I was right about who it was. And yes, it was Reva singing Rock Me, which is just such a dull, cheap pop song. And gives a flavour of Eurovision in the end of the 80s that it was... I feel like it was having a bit of an identity crisis, wasn't it? Absolutely. And it took a while even to pick that up in the 90s, but... It's why Eurovision, for some people, is still a joke if they remember this period. Yeah, you can see that, and especially if you just abandoned it at this point. Wa-a-a-oh, rock me, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yes. So I think in the context of the time... The Bertikaya songs, it's fine, but it's it's very old-fashioned, isn't it? Yeah, it, it sits in, like, the 70s, 
probably a bit more... I mean, have you ever gone out to paint the town red in a red tulle dress cape? With three ice cream men. Have you ever done that? I don't think you've lived. No, but I might add it to my bucket list now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what I've been going wrong all this time. Exactly, it's possible. Before we leave the song behind, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen the Danish musical Vimala Bienrod? No. (laughs) You haven't? I can confidently say no. (laughs) Vimala Bienrod, the musical, is one of the most popular shows in Denmark. Based on this song? Yeah, well, that gave it the title... And it's a musical based on the 30 most popular Danish Eurovision song. And it still tours to this day. And there was even a Vimala Bienrod 2. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the habit. The Revenge, yes. <laughs> So there's some interesting facts for you. That is so if you happen fact. to be in, let's name somewhere in Denmark, I don't know, Aarhus or Copenhagen, see if it's on. See if you can get a ticket to the hottest musical in town, Vimala Bienrod 2. <laughs> <laughs> and wear something red. Absolutely. Or just come as an ice cream man. Thank you for listening to Eurovision Queens. Why not come and have a conversation with us on Twitter at EuroQueensPod or if you're on Instagram... We're at Eurovision Queens, where we're uploading lots of very exciting reels. On both of those, there's also a link in our bio to our Spotify playlist for everything that we've played in the show so far. Back to the show. So up next is our UK entry, and we've got Rock Bottom by Lindsay DePaul and Mike Moran, representing the UK back in 1977. <laughs> Got a remedy. What do we run? 
So that was rock, rock, rock bottom. What did you think of rock bottom? And don't you think it's a bit dangerous singing a song called rock bottom? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that until you introduced it to me. Really? Yeah, but there's something about it that I really enjoy. And it's got this weird little like time capsuleness to it that I guess it's not necessarily from 77. It's done in the style of something else. It's almost got like a musical quality to it. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's got lots, it's like bags of personality and they sing it really well and it's quite playful but quite understated at the same time. Yeah. Because we've got our second dueling piano of the we episode. Have. It's definitely part of the episode title. Yeah, but they're back to back on the same bench with the two pianos facing away from one another. So there's like a little playful energy between them, like leaning up on one another, yeah. singing over their shoulder, sort of to each other. And it was a deliberately political song. It was written about the time of all the strikes under a Labour government that wasn't working. It's the government that the Conservatives still refer back to as if it's still relevant, but it's like 50 years ago, for God's sake. Yeah, it was a bad time and it was talking about that um, through the song lyrics. But there's lots of interesting side issues around this entry. Um, Issues around Lindsay DePaul and her singing it, but also around the production, both of A Song for Europe and the Eurovision Song Contest that year. Tell me more. Yes, (laughs) I hope you're intrigued. Mm. Before I do, I just want to just plug the brilliant Songs for Europe books by Gordon Roxburgh. They're lovely little books for your coffee table or your shelf which are all about the UK entries over the year for Eurovision. And they're really good. Um, there's three of them. Volume 1 is 50s and 60s, Volume 2 is the 70s, and Volume 3 is the 80s. Mm. I don't think it goes beyond that. But so full of information and lots of interviews with all the different artists, including Lindsay DePaul. So at that point, Lindsay DePaul had had loads of success. Mm. And she'd had two top five songs, so she was a name and everyone knew her. And she was ridiculously beautiful, um, as well as being a talented musician. But, this is what she says, Yes, I'd had success, but I had the most awful manager in Don Arden, father of Sharon Osborne. And he and I had had already fallen out. He wanted me to sign a contract for longer than the three years that I was already committed to, because he had sold my services on to third parties for longer than that. I had refused to sign an extension with him because he owed me at the time around £47,000. Ouch! And that's in 77, so he was a flipping dodgy piece of shit, basically. (laughs) Um, So they got into litigation. The only way out was if she was signed to another record company. And then that record company was happy to pay the lawsuit and and figure it out with Don Arden, the evil piece of crap. And what a surprise that Sharon Osbourne's father was an evil piece of crap, just like she is. I would never have guessed. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so she kind of begged um, Mike Moran to do Rock Bottom with her. She She wouldn't have ordinarily performed it. She wasn't desperate to perform it and, you know, represent the UK at Eurovision, but it was a way out of her contract. Mm-hmm. Mike agreed and they they scattered their way to it in the sense of rock bottom originally was Rababa. 
So they've just scat, you know, that's oh sort of right, thing. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Martin. they figured out the shape of the melody yes. and then kind of hung the word, developed it into the words yeah. of it. Oh, cool. And then they were one of the first acts to actually really think about well, how do we want this to look? I mean, I know the stupid ones with the penguins in the seventies and, <laughs> and the mime and all that stuff, but this is one where they really thought we want to be in the pinstripe suits. Um, we even want the conductor to dress up, mm. and they actually got a famous dancer in to choreograph it. And that was Lionel Blair. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a nice little um, side. Easter egg. Yes. Thank you. So what you're saying was this was also Lindsay's personal rock bottom. Yes. And it really was at the time because she was in this lawsuit thing with Don Arden. Also, there was no other way of promoting the record at the time other than flying in between countries all the time from Paris to Amsterdam. She'd go out and... And they, they wasn't the sort of, obviously, social media or anything like that. So it was really tiring. Right. And just before Eurovision, she fainted. She was really ill. Oh, gosh. And after the contest, she actually went to live in America for four years just to, <laughs> just to relax. <laughs> but this was not the end of the, the drama around this contest. Let me tell you, the 1977 Song for Europe was never broadcast because of the strikes. Ah, uh, because we didn't have enough energy. Well, <laughs> I think it was just more that the unions refused the, all the, the people responsible for the production. Oh, uh, right. So it was only heard on the radio. It was the only way you could hear it. Oh, okay. And there were still votes from all over the UK. Rock Bottom won the first five, 12 points. So it was always going to win. It didn't do as well after that, but five dues points in a row. And it easily won. But then there was another problem. Because there were all these strikes happening in the UK, Eurovision was set to happen on the 2nd of April. Mm-hmm. And loads of meetings. No, it couldn't happen. It's not possible. We can't get through these strikes. We can't have it then. So the the whole contest was thrown into turmoil because the UK said we can't host it. Eventually, um, negotiations and everything, eventually held a contest um, on the 7th of May, five weeks later. So were we due to host it then? We hosted Yes, because Brotherhood of Man had won the previous oh, year. Oh, right. But because of all this drama, they definitely didn't want to win this song this contest oh to host it again uh, but they knew they had a really strong song right so they were really concerned about it winning and it's an open secret that they were thrilled when it was second so they didn't have to go through all this drama the next year in terms of money and everything and strikes and yes gosh wow so one that really hit in a particular eye of a storm absolutely so they didn't win they came second mm-hmm. i told you that already didn't i yeah yeah the winner was a dull song sung by Marie Miriam for France called L'Oiseau et l'Enfant, which is the bird and the child. Really old-fashioned. And even Lindsay was a bit rude about it. She said, I don't feel we've lost out because, in my opinion, the best song didn't win. I really do think the winning French entry was unprofessional. The words are mundane. It's a very dated song. It's <laughs> funny, really. She was the only one who didn't bother to do something at all special for the contest. I suppose that's why it stood out. But she was very sweet and good luck to her. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Linz. <laughs> anyway, Lindsay DePaul was the sort of person that, if you were young in the 70s like me, you didn't really know why she was famous. Because I didn't know she'd had top five hits. I, didn't, I only vaguely remembered she was in Eurovision. But in the 80s, she was always the funny person on the panel at the end. Or the pretty person, like on Blankety Blank or other things like that. Right. And I didn't really know who she was, but I just knew she was kind of one of those sort of starlets with long blonde hair. And she looked lovely. Hmm? Had you heard of her before? No. Oh. Anyway, that is all of my Lindsay DePaul and Mike <laughs> Moran rock bottom facts. I think it was enough. Mm. No, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. But as a song, it you know it stands the test of time. Obviously, the 
the trauma around the song at the time is kind of dissipated somewhat yeah like if you don't know about it you don't know about it in the in the song they start with a newspaper like she's got a newspaper that says rock bottom and it's like the financial daily i think yeah it's a a twist on the financial times but it's you know they're they're i suppose once you know that you can see it straight there but i mean as soon as it started i just said to you it's like oh they're foretelling brexit Brexit. (laughs) it was actually there was telling what was going on in the country yeah but I think that was an indication of how bad it was in 77, 78 in terms of the political situation, the economic situation, the social situation, that it was actually filtering through into media, just as it has with Brexit. Mm. It's those times that are really bleak. Yeah. And I just hope that this time around, the Tories are hung out to drive for what they've done, um, rather than Labour as it was back in the 70s. Mm, well, Yeah. <laughs> You're not optimistic about that. <laughs> no, you? not at all. <laughs> Maybe five years ago I would have said that. Yeah. But at this point, no. Stop voting like <laughs> turkeys for Christmas, idiots. Right. Anyway. Not, not a political podcast at no. all. No. It's becoming quite a political episode, isn't it? It is. I like it. Next up, we have... Oh, I'm excited about this one. <laughs> a song that exited well, in the semi-finals. Yeah. 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 What is it called? If I Had Your Love... And who's it by? Selma. It is. Selma Bjorn's dot here, to give her a full name, oh, I'll have you know. Those aren't even in the notes. <laughs> That's off the top of his head. Wow. <laughs> and who was she representing? She represented Iceland in 2005.
That was Selma singing "If I Had Your Love." Mm. Quite possibly my favourite Eurovision song of all time. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely up there in the top three, if not the top. I feel like you're going to say that after every single semi-final song. No, 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 no. So this is our second semi-final slot um, on the pod, and I strongly resisted having this as the first because oh, it was okay. my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> you managed to wait a whole episode. <laughs> I did so well. Mm. So. Before we watch that performance from 2005, um, which she performed 10th on the night at the semi-final, uh, I just wanted to say that we'd also watched the video, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun, isn't it? Yes. She's being an archer, trying to capture the guy of her dreams. Yes. She's in a long red coat. She's running around Reykjavik like a mad one, trying to... Um, I say she's off. trying to, like, like Cupid's bow sort of thing. Yeah, she's not not murder kill and kill and take away and devour or something. <laughs> <laughs> And she keeps missing them, mainly because she's not very good at archery. Yeah, you said she was doing it all wrong. She was stood forward on, pointing with her arm out straight. It's like, no. There's one point where she's flying right down the street and somehow it goes sideways into a car. So I don't know quite how that happened. Anyway, find the video. It's fun on YouTube. But before I tell you any more about this. Yes. What did you think, Ryan? Oh, well, I know the song because you played it for me I know you do, but tell me what you think. I really enjoy it. I like it. It's fun. I feel like it's ahead of its time. It's got the same setup as Sertab with four backing dancers, mm-hmm. but it, it's not got quite the, the same energy in it. There's not the same connection. In the song or in the performance? In the performance, yes, there's not the I same agree. connection. Yeah. But, I mean, you warned me that it wasn't very good. And, and the performance lacks something on the night. And I remember feeling deflated. Well, I thought she would definitely be coming out in her archer attire well she's got a little hood on the back of her i know but she's wearing pedal pushers for god's sake red satin pedal pushers and gold oh everyone was back then sweetie they really really weren't (laughs) honestly it was a really weird choice i remember watching this thinking thinking why are there pedal pushers why are they all in pedal pushers this was definitely a big flowing moment with wind machines and and everything i would have choreographed this completely (laughs) differently and she would have flipping well got through Mm. just saying what position did it come on the night I don't know. Is it? There was about 20 songs because it was the time when the semi final was huge because because there was one because it was only the second time they ever had And what, the top 10 got through? Yeah. So 14th? 16th. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember scouring afterwards the internet to find out what position it had come because I was certain it could have only missed out by one place. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) I was pleased to see that the UK gave it three points though. At least it gave it something. But I feel like it was just ahead of its time. Do you? Like, that could kind of easily be now. It could be. And yet it's, you know, 17 years old. Mm. Yeah. Very, very good song. Also, just to say, well, I loved it. The gays loved it. <laughs> there was a, there's always a UK Eurovision party in London before the contest where they play all the songs and then there's a vote which one was the best. And this was the one they chose of all of the songs that year. As wow. Wow. Okay. And I knew that going into the, the um, semi-final. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see how this does in the final. <laughs> but we had to get through this 
this small matter of the semi-final first, it's mm. like, well, we never got there. Ugh. I think there's something wrong with the whole... Well, just seeing that one little clip, there seems to be something wrong because there's a whole 10 seconds of dead air between like them announcing it and then going, cutting onto the oh, stage. Really? And it's like, there was just, it looked like something was just a bit lackluster, you know, like there's, everyone sat down in the arena. Oh God, So yes. you can see that. And it's, maybe it's that transitioning yeah. to the new party arena yeah. element of it that it's just lacking there. Maybe it's because it took place in Kiev in Ukraine. Ah. And, you know, I know there was problems with the staging of that contest. Talked about a lot on different podcasts. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. It looks... And you spotted that. My keen eye. You did. Well done. <laughs> also to mention, when she was on the Eurovision Legends podcast with Emil Lofstrom, she vaguely talked about this song for about three seconds i was so disappointed i wanted to say mm. but of course my best song in eurovision was this one and she said oh she just kind of casually said oh it didn't do very well i was like no i live for that song so she's obviously got over it mm. she said it was disappointing at the time but nothing more than that but i guess she doesn't need to worry because we know about selma of old do we not do we oh this is where i think he's learnt. i think he understands <laughs> who people are Selma had previously come second in the whole thing in 1999 with the song All Out of Luck um, when she came second only to Charlotte Pirelli. Oh, okay. So she'd already played second in Eurovision. So you don't ever get much better than that. So coming back to perform again in 2005, not qualified for the semi-final is a bit of a shame. (laughs) But yes, I don't like All Out of Luck. Never have. Don't understand why it did so well. Ridiculous. Switch these songs' fortunes around, then the universal harmony that I require <laughs> is restored. Good. Because <laughs> it is all about you. <laughs> In my life, it is. <laughs> I think you better stop me with this this love-in for Selma. Or okay, at least for If right. I Had Your Love. Well then. Okay, moving swiftly on then. It's time for our Juice Award. I need you to, to go, go to, to Eurovision. Eurovision. And we have Vanessa Amorosi singing Lessons of Love for Australia Decides in 2020. On this bright night shadows all I know I wanna quit but I don't know how to let go I thought you were the faithful kind I gave you my heart but my heart went blind Fighting my jealous mind Trigger my words like a loaded gun Sorry I'm savage, you did the damage Act like a victim, like it's nothing Lied, you lied, you lied, you lied, you lied Yeah. 
So that was Lessons of Love by Vanessa Amorosi. What did we think? Well, the production values, I mean, the whole Australia Decides of that year seemed to be crazy. But she begins by climbing out of an upside down car crash. With with a pool of blood next to it, effectively. Yeah. It's a a dress. Yeah. So like, and she starts on the floor, crawls along a bit and stands up while she's singing pretty much pitch perfectly. Yeah. It's just bonkers to begin with anyway like, i would have tripped over her frock oh, with those heels and, <laughs> and everything ow, ow, ow. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah and then we've got like a raining in the background and it's very much yeah. a like i've been knocked down but i'm not defeated and she's actually of. removing the blood because she's removing the parts of her dress as she goes on so she's standing strong at the end yes, in a like a rebirth suit of some thing. sort yes. yes yes but the song itself gets a little bit lost I do think it's 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 absolutely worthy contender for Juice Award slot. Mm. Um, the winner this year was Montaigne with "Don't Break Me." Mm-hmm. She came back in twenty twenty one with Technicolor. Yeah, and Technicolor was a brilliant yeah, song. Yeah, I think that it's cause the chorus, the lessons of love get bit, is really sung hard that you kind of lose that hook. Mm. That's really, I think it's one of those sort of songs that I'll belt out once I know it better. Yeah, I the think more I hear it. I think when we listen to the proper recording as well. I think we're really going to get obsessed with this song. Mm-hmm. I do. Because the um the vocal pattern mm. or the lyrics seem really interesting. They've yeah. got a really nice rise and fall to them. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to talk about the... The elephant in the room. The, the, the minor elephant in the room is that we stumbled across this one by accident, being in a, a deep, deep, deep Vanessa Amorosi. Amorosi appreciation, which is a weird way around because, well, I mean... We already know her. Everybody knows a song of hers. Yeah, even if you don't think you do. Even you if know. you don't think you do. Well, Australians listening would know, but no one else would. Probably. I think everybody knows the song. Should we just go straight into it without even warming it up? Yeah, let's just hit hit play. Here's the song. You all know it. Here it is.
Amorosi. That was Vanessa Amorosi. Yes, absolutely everybody. Which was the unofficial anthem for the Sydney 2000 Olympics. She performed it at the closing ceremony. I know, I watched it earlier. In popular culture, that song was also a lip sync on um, Drag Race Down Under. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxi Shield famously pulling out her microphone from, yeah. <laughs> from her poo nanny. <laughs> Absolutely resetting the game yes. and just knocking it out of the park. And I think because we met Maxi Shields a couple of weeks ago yeah. at DragCon, yeah. that brought that song back into our subconscious. So and it's we've... been the start of a playlist on Spotify. <laughs> we've been playing it so much. Every time we get in the car, it's the first song we, we listen to. Mm. And it's just a brilliantly joyful, fantastic song. It's not a Eurovision song, but it led us to this. Exactly. Yes. So great to see that she's still out there making music. And, you know, it just gave us an extra appreciation for this song. Absolutely. And a good Absolutely reminder Absolutely everybody. To... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely everybody. <laughs> yes. So, excellent. That's our juice award. That means... Uh-oh. It only remains for us to cast the episode either to a gorgeous place or somewhere terrible. Rarely somewhere in between. It's going to be somewhere at the bottom of the table. Yeah? Let's see, shall we? So here we go. We're going to fire up the randomizer. So, the randomizer is fired up, but before I hit play... Mm-hmm. I want to know what year do you think it's going to be? I would really love something post 2010. But what do you think it's going to be? It's going to be 87. I think it's going to be 72. Mm-hmm. 2021! Wow! <laughs> wow! That's bonkers. Okay. Ooh. So we need to find out how many songs are in 2021. It could be anything exciting. So there were 26 entries in the final. Which is it going to be? Oh! Oh, there's some good ones in there, some some not so great ones, but let's just go for it. Ooh, 17. Bulgaria. Growing up is getting old, sung by Victoria.
know that you're worth saving and getting up is all you got. So the randomizer was kind to us. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember listening to a lot of podcasts in 2021 and before the contest, this was really up there as one of the favourites. She was one of the favourites in 2020 as well, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. She and was. I think even more so in 2020. Yeah, definitely more so in 2020. Obviously, there were a lot of comparisons to Billie Eilish. Yeah. And I remember them there being a conversation. I was like, well, it's not. It's something completely different. But you can't help but hear the similarities, especially in like the um, arrangement of the song and the vocals in terms of like the layering of her own vocal as the backing vocal. Yeah. It's got such a distinct style. And, it you know, it's, it is her style as well, you know, Mm-hmm. It's like which one came first or anything yeah. like that. And obviously people are influenced by other people. But it to me, it was just so obvious. And it could have been just like, yeah, we are sort of similar. But you're kind of saying that just because of experiences or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I feel like there was too much of a dismissal of her, of like, oh, no, I'm nothing like that. And it's like, you are a little bit though, aren't you? Yeah. So why don't you just say, yeah, well, kind of a little bit. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> I'm enjoying listening to you saying it, though. Um, so Tears Getting Sober was the 2020 song. And I think it was more obviously up there as one of as a potential winner. I don't mm. think this is ever going to win it. I feel uh, like this one was a little bit more literal. Uh-huh. It was third in the semi-final in order to qualify. What position was it in the end? I honestly can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what happened to it. I feel like it got forgotten. And I feel like I was like, yeah, it didn't quite deserved to do as well as it initially thought it was going to do yeah so i feel like it maybe it came like 14th or 15th. It was 11th right okay yeah yeah so it was left hand side but yeah nothing exciting not no not a contender for the top no no so a lot of teenage angst in fact we've had quite a lot of angst this episode mm. haven't we we've had selma trying to get the partner of her dreams <laughs> um desperation and we've also had the desperation of um sir tab Mm-hmm. Should do anything to get a love every way that I can. And also we had that angst-ridden performance by um, Vanessa Amorosi. Mm. So I am dubbing this episode now, Dueling Pianos. And because it's Eurovision, let's have glittery angst. <laughs> Is that okay with you? Definitely, yep. <laughs> there we are. So thank you, Randomizer, for giving us that last song, a ballad, which, yeah, I know I'm going to enjoy it when we hear that comes on in the car. Yeah, it'd be a nice little a nice little um, palate cleanser from all the deveriness of it. Yeah, yeah, you kind of need <laughs> it. You, at the end it gives you a chance it. to catch your breath. Yeah, <laughs> but I have a question for you. Oh, which was your favourite this time? Oh, I'm gonna be a bit like not myself and say rock bottom. Wow, I know. I remember <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was like, "What's this?" Your but, reaction was quite visceral. Yeah, but I heard you listening to it yesterday on your headphones and stuff, and it got under my skin. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) I can't not say If I Had Your Love, just because... Oh, because it's your favourite Eurovision song ever in the history of the world. I've heard it so much, though. So that's why I'm kind of thinking of other ones. But, I mean, just the other day on UK TV Drama Pod, I said that um, Rock Bottom was one of the best Eurovision songs of all time (laughs) by the UK. So I can't disagree with your choice. Good. But I think there's been a load of good stuff in this episode. A very strong episode, I would say. Mm. Can we trouble you to listen to our socials, please? To actually, well, not just listen to us talk about them, but actually engage with them. 
as did the wonderful Matt Scar 5. <laughs> Hello, waving <laughs> again very strongly at you. On Twitter, we are at EuroQueensPod. On Instagram, we're Eurovision Queens. And Ryan does the most lovely reels. They're so beautifully framed as well as put together. They're just gorgeous. Go and look at them. You will enjoy Maybe them. Maybe even share them. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> and then if you want to go old school with a S-K-O-O-L, EurovisionQueens at gmail.com if you want to email us your ideas for what we might want to play. Yeah. And don't forget, we make a whole Spotify playlist of everything that we've played which you can find on our link tree, which is everywhere on our... Um, socials. Socials, that's yeah. it. It's worth saying as well that on Spotify, there is no other better list of Eurovision songs mm. than Eurovision Queen's list. The, the quality and content of that, the depth and breadth, if you're having a Eurovision party, or you just wanted to do something light and listen to music at the same time, that is your list. I stick it on every time I get in the car. I know. Just to drive somewhere. And I'm... it's getting better because we're not getting the same songs. We've got It's getting bigger and bigger. We've got 14 so, yeah. episodes so far. Good stuff, even though we put it together ourselves. <laughs> so until next time, I have been Andy and I definitely feel like I was playing with fire then. Ooh, and I'm Ryan and I like Eurovision songs. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Au revoir. Yes, but stuff. Mm, things. <laughs> <laughs>